3: Yep, yep, ghetto boys, it's back and reloaded All in your mind, yeah, now deep-throated
4: This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded The disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated And they know it, we speak the truth, so they quote it Cause we wrote it, the north-south, east coast It's the G.B. not, We been keeping your head bobbing It ain't no stopping And once the beat drops in Violins, the system is so corrupt They throw
3: the rock out their hands and then blame it on us it's G.B. Don't get it twisted. On code, and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits. It's Willie D, y'all. Scarfaces in the building. Collective Louis are the ghetto boys. Reloaded. Reloaded with another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio, Reggie Jackson. Hey, fam. We're talking living legend. We're talking iconic. We're talking. You know, even greater than his baseball accolades, his his accolades as a human being. Reggie Johnson of Reggie, you know what? I I knew I was going to do that. You know, Reggie Johnson, are you you familiar with Reggie Johnson, the boxer? Mm -mm. Reggie Johnson is a personal friend of mine. So I always, I'm always saying his name. And I knew, I was like, I'm going to mess up at least once saying, uh, mixing your name up with Reggie's name. But Reggie Jackson is in the building fam. Um, I, I wanna I wanna I just wanna just like run down some of the accolades real quick. This is important. Uh just to establish you know why we're having this conversation in the first place. Mm-hmm. Five-time World Series champion, two-time mm-hmm. World Series MVP, <laughs> two-time silver slugger award winner, four-time <laughs> AL Home Run King. <laughs> 1973, he was the MVP of the of the league, and in 1993, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of
4: Fame. Oh, he bad. And you know, I I
3: was thinking about all of these accomplishments of yours. Do you, you know, ever have people come up to you and talk about your stats and your records, and you like, man, what are you talking about? Like, do you do you keep up with that stuff?
5: Um well if I would be saying that to someone um i I have that happen a lot um but I wouldn't say to them, "Do you keep up with that stuff?" Mm-hmm. I would um be grateful and and you know thank them for being a fan uh shake their hand and say thank you very much if they didn't want anything else, I'd just say thank you right, and be honored right.
3: I was uh, looking at your uh, DOB. You was uh, born in nineteen forty six. You just had
5: celebrated a birthday. I mean, did you actually celebrate? Did you do anything special? Uh, I was with my lady, my companion, for thirty years, right? And um, we flew to Va- Las Vegas to do to have a business lunch with a, a group of Honda guys. That um, there was a big event there, so we flew to Houston and on the way we stopped in uh Las Vegas for a few hours and we came down here and had dinner with friends uh yeah. for my birthday right yeah. uh Kyle did I have b- dinner with you on my birthday yep. yeah i came and i had dinner at the patente in uh, a great restaurant fantastic in, downtown in, Houston. In, yeah for my birthday right
3: Right. Well, having belated. late. Happy belated. <laughs> happy belated. Uh, I was looking, at, uh he's you, 76 years old. I'm 55. So uh another 20 years I'll be your age, right? Uh your current age. <laughs> and and I'm thinking, like, you know, oftentimes people will say, Well, um, what would the older you tell the younger you? I want to know what would the older you today tell a 56-year-old
5: Reggie Jackson. Um, 56-year-old. It's not a young man. Uh, You know, he was, and and I wouldn't even say he was middle-aged. But you know, at 56, you should be established. uh, You should own a home. um, And you should be doing things that you love and enjoy. Not everyone has afforded that. that's a luxury um most uh people, my father at the age of fifty six had to support uh, six seven eight nine kids you know we had he had f- six at home and then he had another three or four of uh you know outside that he had to support so and he worked until he was in his seventies to to keep hustling in order to make life for himself his and himself. Um, and so, you know, it's a different world for an African American. Um, so I would tell you things differently than I would tell a white American because the opportunities are different for each, even in today's world. So that makes a difference, um, oh. you know, and trying to pass on. Um, what would be coming up in your life and what you should pay attention to, uh, really is where is your family? Where are your children? Who is your mate? Um, and what do you plan on doing with the rest of your life at 56? You're 55. Um, you should be on a path of spending time and building your relationships and solidifying your relationships with your immediate family children wife brothers sisters uh at 56 my both my parents were alive oh wow um so that's 20 years ago my mother died in 2000 so she you know just recently passed I was late early 50s and my dad passed when I was 47 um but my dad had me when he was late because he passed at 90 so I was fortunate to have he we were great friends um <clears throat> my dad got to see me play baseball he got he was in the stadium the night I hit three home runs um 1977 and, yes uh when when i got when I made it in the big leagues and made it in professional sports, my dad was young enough to receive the rewards of, of the money that I earned and so I shared with my two parents uh helped all brothers and sisters, but I shared with my parents. I didn't want them to have a, a rough life at all anymore mm-hmm. um and so i was very close to family um i i became the nurturer of my mom and dad at at probably 45 or 50 um and i helped them when i was in my 20s uh, financially mm-hmm. um and that was important for me um and as as a colored Negro, African-American, I I was all those things. Negra, you know. (laughs) You know, you were all those things as you were coming along in my Mm -hmm. era. Um, You know, you made sure that you took care of your folks. Um, And so, and and I enjoyed it, and I was uh, proud of it. Um, And I enjoyed my parents being comfortable. So... Um, At the age of of in my 50s, I was working and gathering and still building the blocks of life. I was still building my village, if you will, Um, garnering and gathering assets to be able to take care of and provide uh, for my family around me. Did you feel any panic? Panic? Yeah, panic as far as like a, a, a sense
3: of uh, urgency. Let me get this right before.
5: No. You know, yeah. No, no. I went about it in a daily way. Uh, <clears throat> I had conversations with God all the time. Hmm. Um, I remember being in Yankee Stadium getting booed by the crowd. I had a, I had a tough time there. In the early years, being black, being a Yankee, wearing the pinstripes, and um, I wasn't subservient as a colored man. Subservient. I, I, I was. I considered myself equal. I I demanded dignity, and so I had what was interpreted as an arrogance. And I was I was arrogant because I was constantly demeaned as a colored and so negro um so i had i carried a chip on my shoulder uh for a long time and got to the point where when i would even see videos i didn't really like myself but i was always defending who i was as a man you know you're 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 glad you're here with the yankees you're you're lucky you're here with the yankees and i used to go like you're right but you're way more glad I'm here than me glad I'm here. You're glad I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I, I took it that way all the time of rather uh, kowtowing to someone. I wanted to be on equal ground and be recognized for the man I was, not not the, the strongest coon in the room or the, the most powerful or the most talented Um, athletes and African-American athletes were always considered a a tremendous, what an unbelievable talent. And the white athlete was a a coach on the field, a manager on the floor. Um, You know, great understanding of the game could see – Great vision, Um, where the athlete, uh, and I have have, have had conversations (laughs) with Michael just a couple of months ago in Florida, where he said, gosh, Reggie, you know, sometimes I I still get upset with people thinking that I didn't work on my skills. that I just walked in the gym, game started at eight o'clock, I rolled in at 630, got dressed and went out and played. And he said, I know you understand that it took it t- 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 work to get to where I got to, where my good fortune brought me to where I am today. I I, I worked at it. That's Michael Jordan. Yes. Yeah. Um, who is at least in the paragraph of greatest athlete, greatest basketball player. He's in the last sentence. It's either him or someone else. That is the greatest. That is the, the real goat. You know, when I, you hang around with him, then you got a couple of goats in the room with me at, at, and him <laughs> or, or whomever. But when it gets down to the end, the, you know, the last few, you know, mm-hmm. Jackie Robinson, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Jimmy Brown, Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell. There's a lot of cats. The tiger, there's a lot of cats in there, but you know Jordan and the five, six, seven, eight, nine guys you mentioned there in the last paragraph, a couple of them in the last sentence.
3: When you get that many goats in one room, not it becomes a matter of subjectiveness, right? It, it's 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 it's, like- it's it's
5: it's it's whomever you pick, right? And those guys, I knew them all none of them have any preference of being the guy. They're comfortable and grateful uh, to be in the paragraph. Um, you know, in, in talking to Mike, Michael uh, the last time, <clears throat> it was probably the best conversation I've ever had with him. He said, Reggie, gosh, I never thought I would be where I am today for my my product and my, my commercialism that has turned into into the business that I've got, I never dreamed it'd be like this. He said, I want to enjoy it and share it with my family. What, what, what better words could you say,
3: you know? Were there any like similar opportunities for endorsement deals in your heyday?
5: Yeah. Oh yeah. I I made more money off the field than I made on. I made more money in endorsements. I had a deal with Panasonic that paid me 250,000 a year for 20 years.
3: Nice, nicely done. 20
5: years. I, when I left them, I was with them for about 10 or 11 years, and they paid me for the next eight for an appreciation of um, helping their brand. When I was in New York, uh, we had a couple signs there. The, the Lincoln Tunnel, the most popular sign in the world at the time, like having something on 42nd Street, that you had to go by that sign to get in and out of the city. And and we had it for like ten years, and I only played there for five. But Panasonic rewarded me, got very comfortably for that.
3: I wish I'd have known that stuff. I would have bought more Panasonic. It was called Reggie
5: Vision. Reggie Vision. It was called Reggie Vision.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Did you do any um uh, Coca Cola, Sprite, or
5: no? I think Gatorade. No, there wouldn't. No no drinks like that. You know, it was on the cover of Wheaties or the, the box. Um and then I did some Fabergé stuff. Oh, uh, you know, brood. the group the, the <laughs> Fabergé with yeah. with Joe Name it. Yeah, right. and, and uh, you know, Puma Shoes uh was, was my brand for the longest time. And um And they paid you. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I did a lot of work for ABC television. I was I did I did several World Series as an announcer when I was a player.
3: Right, 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 right. Uh, I saw some of that. Uh, you, you have often heard the the old adage, uh, "You know, all money ain't good money." Have there been opportunities that was presented to you, and you was like, "That's not consistent with my brand. I don't want the money. I don't care how much money you guys are offering me. I'm not going to endorse that product."
5: Um, that, that I would say that that has happened to me, but. I never really was approached by a brand I didn't want to be associated with. Um, you know, I was honored to do the, the Panasonic, um, uh, uh, television thing. And, and, you know, I, as, as a young kid, I watched an Admiral TV, I watched an RCA, I watched a Philco, I watched the old raggedy ones that, you know, you couldn't afford, that you mm-hmm. could afford. Um, and so when panasonic came along it was an honor it was turned down by bill cosby and um there was a woman um she did a lot of uh horror movies i can't remember she was the daughter of uh Curtis Jamie 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 Lee Lee Curtis. Yes, she had a chance to do it, and they uh, Panasonic was offering them, you know, four hundred thousand a year, and it was going to turn into a million a year for them. And Bill Cosby didn't want it, you know, unless it was seven figures. And I said to my my agent, said they're offering two hundred and fifty thousand a year, Reggie, for three years with an evergreen, which means after the third year, after the first year, it extended a third year. And then after that year, you got another third year. So it was green for three years. So when you got terminated, you had three years left. I said, do me a favor. Don't send it to me. Sign my name and drive it over to Jersey. Hmm. Right. I said, go and get that money and get that deal and get it done. You don't right. need to send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: l- l- let's go back to win coat. Let's go back to let, let, let's go back to 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 Abington Township. Let's go back to Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, where it all started <laughs> for you. How was it like growing up out
5: there? Um, You know, we had uh, uh, six children at home with the parents and my parents divorced when they when I was six. My dad took three. My mom took three. And um, I don't know they ever got a divorce and never remarried, neither. Uh, but um you know my dad was a hard worker my mother was a government employee she was a hard worker Uh, she moved to philadelphia we lived in in um wincote which was just on the outskirts of Philadelphia, suburb Mm -hmm. and my dad worked during the day and he came home at night and cooked for the three children Mm -hmm. uh my once oldest sister left and um and my brother went to the service and i was really alone for a while one of my other brothers came and lived uh with us got me through high school um but it was based basically you know we had heat in the house um we didn't have a lot of extra food my dad bought food home from work every day uh, because he owned his own business as a tailor and dry cleaner um You know but we we ate every day uh a lot of times we had we had to wait till my dad got home until we could put heat in the house because we had to go buy five gallons of kerosene to to get the heat turned on and because it would run all night but um you know i had a tough tough home life went to school every day never really took any days off because you could get meals you could eat at school um and you, and I ju- was always on a sports team so you showered at school a lot mm-hmm. uh, every day you could shower there um because at home it without heating the house in the morning it was too cold to, there was no hot water you know so we yeah. we had to heat water to wash wash up in the morning
3: yeah i can relate to going to school to eat that meal man cuz if if i didn't go to school i probably would not eat some days yeah
4: yeah,
3: I definitely can relate to that. You mentioned your brother helped you out, uh, helped you get through
5: school. How so? Um, you know, he helped me dress and uh, in, and in, and in wear the right clothes, right? Uh, things like that. And uh, but we, you know, went to went to the same school for a while. Then, he, but he left and then went to live with my mom. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we had a w- brothers and, and the sisters and and. The family, kids, we did stick together and uh check in on each other. Yeah. And you
3: were a four-sport athlete. You played baseball, basketball, football, and what was the other? One? Ran uh, some track, and you ran track, yeah, tr- it was track and field. How did you gravitate towards baseball? Like, and, and how did you get started with baseball? And how did you figure out, like, out of all of these sports, I'm gonna take my chances with baseball?
5: Well, really. Uh, we had the neighborhood uh, baseball field in our backyard. Um it wasn't that big, but, you know, you could, you know, have four or five guys on a team and play a game of baseball in the backyard. My father worked inside in, in his business. He'd come out and check on us from time to time. But the neighborhood games were a lot of times in our backyard.
3: It's hella convenient.
5: Um <laughs> You know, you know, so, you know, and the, I had to hit right-handed a lot of times because if I hit left-handed and hit the ball you know, maybe 200 feet, then it would go in the neighbor's yard and in the garden, and they'd either keep the ball or yell at you because going in and chasing the ball, stamping on their plants or, you know, garden or whatever. So, uh, but... um you had to. If you didn't, uh, you had you could play sports in in high school, uh, junior high as well. But if you weren't on the first team, uh, he, he, Dad wasn't interested in building your social skills. You had to come home and work. If you weren't on the first string, so if you were sitting on the bench, you you quit the team and brought you at, you brought you a butt on <laughs> work and helped. Yeah. You know, so uh, but I I made all the first string baseball, basketball, football, ran track um during the baseball season. Um and I went to college uh to at Arizona State University. Mm-hmm. I was a much better football player. Um I had size and speed. I was a hundred and ninety pounder, hundred and eighty five pounder in high school as a halfback, uh and, 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 right. and safety. And then at Arizona State, I got to about 197 to 203. Ran a four five forty, had size, and um, I was uh, really looking to play pro football. Um, I had played baseball, and I loved baseball. I was probably the number one player in the area in Pennsylvania, out in Philadelphia, and all around. Um, <clears throat> but I had a, you know, I was with a single parent. And um, a lot of racism in my neighborhood mm. uh, as a black kid. And I was angry and, and tough um, from the racial slurs and the racial stuff that you dealt with all the time. So I had an attitude and I was physical. Um, you know, if, if somebody would call you a nigger, then you going to whip me. You, you
3: I got.
5: I to beat I got to beat you. Uh, you
3: know,
5: <laughs> and I, and I would uh, beat yeah. a kid up and then take him to the principal's office. You would take him to the principal's office. I would office. carry him to the wow. principal's office and and say I just beat him beat him up because he called me a nigger. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Damn.
4: The Ghetto Boys Reloaded podcast. We'll be right back after the break.
6: available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 Million Black Businesses So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at Shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com B-E-N.
3: You played for Kansas City uh, Athletics, Oakland Athletics. You played for the California Angels. You played for Baltimore Orioles. You played for the New York Yankees. That's a lot of moving around. You know, I, 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 I often wonder, like, when baseball players, football players, basketball players, when they get relocated a lot, when they get traded and stuff
5: like that, you know, How, what kind of impact that has on your family? Um, well, I was married for a couple of years uh, with the Oakland A's. And so my tenure with the A's was eight seasons. I was married and I was single, uh, married and single again uh, in those eight years. I was only married for about four years. I really wasn't ready to be married and I, my home didn't have a marriage in it. And so I really didn't quite get it. Um, wasn't the best husband, didn't really know how to have a a friend or friendship in, in, in your home between a woman and you. So my my marriage failed. Um, and I stayed single for the longest time. Never got married again. Um, but certainly have a, a, you know, a a lady in my life now that's special. Yeah,
3: you was getting a lot of action though, man. I mean, that's kind of hard though to, you know, like especially if you're not ready. If you say I'm not ready, and you got women coming at you from all angles, don't really. Too much matter what you have at home
5: if if those
3: women are coming at you like that. that's kind of hard to resist.
5: well, I didn't really look at it that way. That happened, but I w- was not I didn't have the institution of marriage under the roof I lived in. My parents argued all the time they finally got divorced. I was six years old, and I remember the day
4: mm.
5: if, when I was six. And so, you know, so I didn't have a, a pattern. I didn't have the environment.
4: He, um, a blueprint. he didn't, you know, he didn't
5: he have a blueprint. Didn't didn't, yeah. didn't know it, you know. And I I've dated a couple of girls that had wonderful parent parenting and uh, parents that um, I dated a girl for a few years and her parents were together for twenty some years and they were still girlfriend and boyfriend in their sixties and it was so it was wonderful to see it wonderful to you know to to be in a relationship when you could see that the parents had created an environment that the girl was going to make no matter who she married she was going to make a good wife because she lived in that environment
4: yeah,
5: yeah. I, I
3: don't i don't yeah. recall any stories of any wild stories of women coming for you you know like we live in the middle we live in this Me Too era where guys get caught up all the time. Athletes and rappers, they're getting caught up all the time with these, these women coming after them for, for money and and babies And they got babies and and they want the money. They're trying to get to the money. Have you ever had a situation like that before?
5: Uh yes, I have. Yeah? <laughs> um you know, I had a child at a wedlock. And it's probably the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And um, the girl that I had the child, the child with, hired Gloria Allred, who was known Gloria. to this day, yeah. and that was my daughter's thirty-one years old. Gloria Allred was around back when she was four or five years old, um, and so you know, I, I went through it. I got through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a wonderful daughter out of it, and I'm blessed and grateful um uh, that I have a spectacular child that's given me a couple grandchild grandchildren uh she's given me one that's two a little over two years old, and she's uh seven months pregnant now and due in august and I'll have another uh grandson and so I'm grateful for um the gift yeah yeah that's uh, beautiful the the i went through a lot of trouble with it you know economically but um you know i'm i'm good
3: to go with it it's just money at the end of the day um those kids you know do y'all like go out and do fun things you know you know get the kids
5: uh, i do fun out? things with my daughter the grandchildren are, are a little bit young um you know my grandchild um you know I, i've been around him quite a bit, watched him a little bit, but you know, he's at an age when I first saw him the first day he was born. I was the first outsider to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's two and a half to less than two and a half years old. He's still mommy's boy, right? You know, yeah, you
3: and Brad, y'all have a
5: have had a, a,
3: a number of conversations, right? Um, I want just wanted to know like how does a guy like you like befriend a guy like I don't like, this no, I don't like, like you at you know, I, I, How does a guy like you befriend a guy like this? I mean, you know, like he's just him? Yeah, he's 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 incorrigible. Um
4: No answer. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I I am um curious to know, Mr. Jackson. Like, at the end of the day, what would you want it to read up under your name in those lights? Hmm. What would Um, you want to be said about you?
5: I would want it to be said that um, Mr. Jackson was a great teammate in life. Huh. Um. Was a person you could count on, was always there for you. Um that thought of his friends and family and people that he could help, at least as much uh of he thought at least as much as he thought of himself, willing to help his friends and give to his friends with everything that he owned or had. Um honest and honorable. Hmm. He's a man with a good heart and a person you can count on. Ain't no doubt about it. I already knew this. I just wanted no.
4: the rest of the world. No. Yeah. You this, are working this, you are working with the Astros these days. Yes. Um <laughs> I see you and Mr. Crane together all the time. Tell me about Mr. Crane. Is he is he is he cool as I think he
5: is? <laughs> uh, Jim Crane is a uh, a man that's on a wonderful mission. I agree. Um, you know his level of intelligence. He's he's brilliant. Um, has tremendous comprehension of his surroundings, um, in his environment. Um, the environment he participates in, um, he has great understanding of it and does translate his, his success. And um, I, I, you would use the term his wealth, In um, his wealth is beyond econo- the economics of it, uh, but he has a wealth of knowledge of people. Yeah. And has an ability to create solutions for the problems that he can make a difference in, and I find those differences that he wants to make a change in is leveling the player the playing field of diversity there you go um he does feel for the person that can't that can't help themselves um and i think he's committed to it i think he's like accept the, accepts the burden that has been put on his shoulders to make change for the underserved to make the the playing field the path to carve one that has the signs of success written every mile or two
4: I'm in the world to hear that. That's, that's that's how I feel about the gentleman.
5: Yeah, he's always uh,
4: there, trying to make sure that somebody
5: else is. He's concerned about others.
4: Uh yeah, big time.
5: And if you see him walk around and walk through life, um, uh, he'll reach down and pick up a piece of trash that's in the stadium that's clutter. He does that on the tee uh, box too. And, and, and hit, hit yes. The ball in the- Yes, he'll, he'll pick up tea. a broken tea. Yeah.
4: Pick up the broken tooth. <laughs> yeah.
5: um, he he does want to make a difference for the better. Gets dumbfounded when people are c- can't understand. Um, just doing it the right way. Just do what's right. This um, I believe that he my three R's of success um in the business world is the residual of doing the right thing is revenue huh. mm. don't worry about margin mm. don't worry about how much you're going to get if you do it right people aren't concerned about what they pay people want you to do them right and then they'll pay you are there any parallels um
3: uh- between uh, George uh, Steinbrenner, uh, St- Steinbrenner uh, Brenner and um, and Jim Crane, and Jim Crane that, that you see as far as the way that they
5: operate their teams? Um, they both have a penchant for excellence. George thought that we should be perfect as a team. He thought since he had the highest payroll with his team y'all that, should win every game <laughs> that we should be 162 and oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't understand yeah. how you know you could just you're better than that guy so why can't you hit a home run off him when you want to or when you need to you got to, you had three chances today yeah you know you're better than he is why didn't you win right <laughs> um <laughs> and um i i see uh I see some similarities with the demand for excellence and the demand to be the best you possibly can be um Jim has a penchant for being a champion he has a penchant for penchant for being first for being a leader hmm. uh mostly because he has the capability to understand it plan it and do it mm-hmm. and so he's disappointed if if he doesn't because he knows he has the ability to be number one you know mm-hmm. to be first and so he's disappointed when he's not you know we were there last year at a world series and we were losing to atlanta in the sixth game and uh he says damn it i just can't wait till it's over it's terrible being here like this. I said, well, there's 30 other teams at home that would love to be in your spot. Hmm. And he kind of looked at me and said, well, I guess you're right. But, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to win. And um, for that, you admire him. And he starts over that day that we lose. He started over again trying to, build a winner, and build a champion, and get back to the World Series in 2022. We have a chance. Big time. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of my questions. I wanted
3: to know, like, what do you think our chances were this year? Um,
5: we're not the best team yet. Uh, we're in first place by eight or nine games, and um, we're 14 or 15 games over 500. Something like that, um, and we haven't hit yet. We can be better. Mm-hmm. We haven't played. We've played pretty good defend defensively. We need to get better defensively, and we haven't hit well at all. I'll bet you we're in below middle of the pack offensively. Okay, would be interesting. Kyle, look bad. that up, buddy.
3: So, 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 what do? we have to do to get better?
5: Your players have to hit. Okay. So we have the, so you're saying we have the you personnel? We have the skills. We have the okay. skill. We have the, um, skill positions. You know, we have the players to be able to, uh, make us one of the top teams offensively in the league. And they've been that, uh, in the last few years, they strike out less. They're on base higher and higher percentage. Um, we put the ball in play more often than anybody else. Uh, we haven't done that this year. We're still in first place. We're not in a good division. and you know, I think we're the only team in the division playing over 500. And I'm not really playing paying attention to a lot of that now. Because you're 60 games out. You're 62 out. You got 100 to play. Everybody's going to win 50. And everyone's going to lose 50. It's what you do with the other 62. Huh. Hmm. Oh, yeah? yeah. I win 40 of those. Yeah. You got to lose 50. You You're to win 50. The other 42, you win those. And you, the other 62, you want to win 40, 42 of them. And then you win 92 games and you're in postseason somewhere.
4: Yeah.
5: Out of the four teams that you played for in your professional <clears throat> 21
3: years, uh, which team did you enjoy playing for the most? The A's. I can answer that. Damn. No,
5: seriously. Amen. No, yeah. for real? Yes. And, and why is that? I was there longer. I was groomed and born with those guys. Uh, 18 and I, I started in, in baseball at 19. I was in the big leagues at 20. Damn. Um, and I played with Rudy and Bando and Raleigh Fingers and Vida Blue and Catfish Hunter. And all those guys. Mike Schmidt, Pete Rose, you yeah. play with all and them. Crack- Campanaris.
3: What, what, speaking of Pete Rose, what do you think about this him uh, being denied the opportunity to be in the Hall of Fame?
5: Um, Pete made his own bed more than once. So I wanna, but okay. Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer and should be in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. There are murderers, racists, all that in huh. the Hall of Fame. Damn. And so <laughs> Pete Rose gambled. He, he took him forever to admit it but, but did he Pete fix Rose, any games sh- no he didn't fix the no. game he just bet on it right that's right he should be in all of him
4: yeah i mean that's like well that's like me and willie betting you betting on yourself or, yeah he yeah. bet on himself right or he bet on another game he bet on himself but it don't matter though right? Hmm. he bet on himself oh man
3: the true part about it is that is that i bet you that some of the people that punished him
5: also
4: bet. Hell yeah, <laughs> <right now. laughs> yeah,
5: you know, you have betting now in the stadiums in some places. They have betting in the stadium in Arizona.
4: Betting. Yes. On baseball. In, in, yes. Mm-hmm. Stop. In the stadium.
5: But see, Pete Pete is past his
3: eligibility now. What does like, that mean? Like he's outside, right? No, not. They can uh, bring they okay. can bring him back. Uh, they can? Because mm-hmm. I thought after after mm-hmm. a certain amount of years, you're no longer eligible.
5: DraftKings is owned partially by Major League Baseball. Wow. Did you hear that? Ain't that something?
4: Yeah, but 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 you can't bait on you can't bet on baseball. Ain't that
3: something? Yeah, football too.
5: That's cool. You can't bet on football either? Not as a player. Okay. But they own part of the gambling um businesses, gambling companies. They're partners with them
3: using the, the grade uh, system of A to F, what do you think Major League Baseball is in terms of racial diversity? F. F. Really? Is that the worst? That's the F. That's, that's yeah. the
5: worst. I mean, that would be the worst. Really? Yeah, we're the worst.
3: Why, why, why is it so hard for major league baseball you know to show a little they equality they don't
5: have a real focus on change they don't leadership doesn't have a real focus on change
3: well leadership starts at the top so we started right,
5: with sir. the commissioner right Which started the commissioner's office and yeah. then the, then the other leaders of the <laughs> the most powerful teams uh, i can say that our team has the highest percentage of minorities working in its organization. We have 400 employees, which would mean we have more than 20, 20 percent or more of our workforce is minority women, LBGTQ, um, African-American, Latin-American, Amerasian. Is that management positions? Oh, is that, that is throughout the entire organization. Yeah. Management position from the owner on down to you know our, on down to you know whomever is is employed there.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, yes, I, I want to so. be politically correct by not naming a position that you say from the owner to the janitor. Yes, so you mm-hmm. want to uh, you pl- want to be politically correct and say yeah. from in all of our employment. Well, I, I want I'm, I would be curious
3: to know how much of that percentage is African-American. Uh, what is is specifically black and, largest, and management. Large,
4: I, I want large. to say that. I, I know for a fact.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That's
4: a lot.
5: Yeah. He wants it. Our team to look like the city of Houston. And I understand the city of Houston is 16 to 18 percent minor African-American. Yeah, we may be higher than that. I man, I think they're underreporting us. 30%, I think Houston is thirty-eight percent minority. More Go- than that, Google it. It's got to be. Willie, you the master of Google. It's got to be more than that. No, uh, cows, but, but you know what? I don't, cows, I don't even. Cows,
3: I don't even. I don't trust their numbers, though. So I'm not going to even Google it because because they be lying. We've been stuck at thirteen percent in this country for the last thirty years. <laughs> you know, like they keep on saying black people represent thirteen percent of the population of the country. I mean, 13%, we're around 30%.
5: sixteen. And between us and Latin American, Latinx, uh, it's around 33 to 35 percent of the population. A third is Latinx and Mm African-American. And then I don't think that counts indigenous. Let's go to draft day
3: 1966. And the New York Miss choose. What were you thinking when they when they picked over you for that number one Um, spot?
5: I had had a meeting with our coach of the baseball team, Bobby Winkles, who was from Arkansas. And I was the first African-American ever they for them to ever have on the Arizona State baseball team, the number one baseball school in the country. And he called me and he said, Reggie, the draft's going to come up in a month or so. And he said, the New York Mets are not going to draft you Damn. while you're head and shoulders above any other player in the country. They're not going to draft you because they think you'll have social issues because you're dating a Mexican-American. And I said, well, my middle name is Martinez, which comes from Latin America, comes from grandmother being Puerto Rican. What's the issue? He said, Well, they think you're dating outside your race. I said, Well, tell them my middle name. It didn't matter. The Mets did not draft me because I was dating what they considered out of my race by dating a Mexican American.
3: Did she look white? Did she have white
4: features?
5: She might have had white features in a nose (laughs) and lips and mouth, but her skin was. It's a couple like mine. Okay. The skin was color of mine. Right. You know? You know? New
3: York mess, you are some lousy. Y'all just lousy. <laughs> Damn y'all lousy,
4: man. It's, it's just terrible.
3: Harp, Just, man.
4: Because he was going to have some issues, some social issues. Because yes. of who he was dating. Yes. Dating. Not who he was married to. Not who he had to drag to New York with him. Somebody he was dating.
3: Bro. First of all, ain't none of their damn business. That's number one. You know, unless she's some serial killer or some uh uh, uh international terrorist, you know, on that
4: on the list. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I'm saying?
3: That 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 should not have mattered at all. That should not have mattered at all.
5: She was a killer, all right, because she was that she was that fine. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. I I just think um I'm just hanging out with you um the past couple of months you and uh Mister Baker Mister Two Thousand Man himself like I'm just learning a lot and I appreciate that There's a lot of wisdom in the conversations that we have mm-hmm. and I just sit there and I just listen man because there ain't nothing else you could do but just sit there and listen.
5: <clears throat> well, you know, in dealing with you, Scar. Oh. Um your your vantage point you from whence you have come uh, you get me really quickly you get dusty of him being able to say things to you or look at you um, in with the conversation going on you easily you're easy to communicate with because you've lived what i've lived you have experienced it um i'm the head of diversity for several companies i'm involved with i'm probably the top guy here with the with the astros for diversity i'm an expert i've lived all the answers Mm. there isn't too much you can ask me i don't know what the reaction is going to be or what it should be um You can get into you can go into a room and feel someone that's got issues with minorities you can feel them you know someone's in a room why 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 do you think people
4: have so much animosity or so well, why do you have an issue with a minority
5: why? it's an insecurity Talk you're to me. you're insecure um that that person is going to be treated as well as you are, and it's a tragedy. What that does that matter, though? How it's who some people are because of their of their insecurity, because their ignorance, because of their lack of understanding of life, um, because of the of of the God that's in heaven. Um, what he's put in their heart, you're going against that um to root against or pull against or believe that you're better than someone else um is a sickness that is a sickness mm. who would yeah.
4: stand who would wanna who would wanna stand uh, over a man? What type of man would want to stand over another man? Like, I mean, I want to be your guide.
3: An
5: uncivilized mutt. I'm um, trying to
4: I just thought it's, it's an
5: it's a very insecure person that's has a psychological or, or a mental issue. You know, I, the word that keeps coming to me, they're just so insecure about themselves that they want to make themselves or talk to you as though they're better than you. And that's pure ignorance. Pure ignorance, as pure as it can possibly be by thinking that you're better than someone that bleeds red blood. Come on. Um, when, When I look across the room and see this young man here, his heart's pure he has no negative thoughts in his mind oh. and so for me to think that he's because of his color he's less than me with the purity of his heart and mind how sick do i have to be to have that thought where's is, where is my head have to be or have been how Ignorant am I? What what a fool am I? I'm 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 in a breach with God. You you're, you're troubled. I got to be troubled to think that. To not think of of Him as a pure person that's unimpacted with. What is told by his parents or what he hears—it's all so pure. What he gets, help him mm. keep the wind be beneath his wings. Why would you want to pull that down? Yes, maybe. Why would you want to say something negative to a child of God? They're up, up to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like really you know i was in my shop i have a car shop and general motors and all the big companies <coughs> come to california i'm connected with some f- car dealers and they want to reggie would you entertain <coughs> our people that are coming in town can they come by your shop and you make time i said sure i always i've had probably seven or eight visits like that from manufacturers and they come by my my place and I have a newspaper article from Charleston, South Carolina, with a sale of slaves hanging in my shop. And I, people say, well, what do you have that for? I said, I, I haven't forgot. I want you to know I didn't forget. On my office door, there's a plaque made out of metal that I bought in Charleston, South Carolina, and it says no colored and why you got that on your door i don't want it to forget and so i've had people there it was a manufacturer that came through my place i won't mention it i'm still connected with him and uh the guy asked me there was a gentleman there and he said reggie why do you have the sale of colored for slaves And I said, I want to remember the term colored. I said, I'd been Negro, color, nigger, African-American, black, multicultural. Negroid. Negroid. I'd been all those things. I want to remember that. And I said, there was children there and grandchildren. And there was a child there that was 10. And I said, have you ever heard the term colored before? And she said, oh, yes, Mr. Jackson, I sure have. Are you serious? And I said to the parents, I said, that breaks my heart. This was about 10 years ago. I said, that breaks my heart because I didn't think my daughter, who is 12 now or 15, would have to go through that. But I see that she's. 12 and she's 10 years in because she's 10 and she's heard the term she heard it at home or in school in her environment she didn't make it up Wow! I said so that's painful to me and man everybody got quiet for 3 or 4 minutes it wasn't an uncomfortable quiet for me but it was for a lot of other people that were there
3: See, I call call BS on uh, on, on hating a person based on their skin color, and this is why. Our strongest convictions that we have in life comes from people who look like us in most cases. If you were abused as a child, you were probably abused by somebody who looks like you. If you were had a French friend who betrayed you, it was probably somebody who looked like you. If you got chased home from school, it was probably somebody who looked like you. You got passed over for the promotion. It's probably somebody who looked like you, if you're white. (laughs) If, 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 If there's a situation where a person cheated on you, that person probably somebody that looked like you. So these things are really what helps develop our character. It makes us who we are. But then you decide, well, I'm not going to hate all those people that did all that shit to me personally. I'm not going to hate it's them. I'm going to hate them because I don't like what they look like. See, that's why I call BS. This is just, and and so they, these are just excuses that people use. To to justify bad behavior. That's all it is. It's just, it's just people that, you know, like like it's it's like uh, Reggie was saying, like these are people who who are just that have a low self-esteem. They, they, look, they have low self-esteem and they have a they have a low like uh, standard for themselves. They just don't like themselves. It's like the guy who went out and did the shooting in Buffalo. He called himself a white supremacist. No, you're not a white supremacist. You're a white inferiority. That's what you are. Because if, I'm, if I feel superior over someone, why would I throw my life away for somebody? As much as I hate you, I'm not going to go kill you and kill you and kill you and kill you and then go spend the rest of my days in jail. I'm superior. Why am I throwing my life away for you?
4: Why am I even thinking I'm about I'm not
3: you. even thinking about you, because yeah. I'm superior, see? So they're not superior, they don't even believe that they're <laughs> superior. They use the white supremacy thing so that they can get paid after they go do some dumb shit or so they can be honored in some type of way by the sick bastards out there who think like them. There's no way possible that if I consider myself a supremacist. What I throw my life away over people who I think are lower than me. Damn. This is a guy who gave up on life. He couldn't hack it. He gave up on life. His sorry ass didn't want to get up and go do what uh, billions of people do every every day. Get up, go to work, get up, go to school, study, whatever you got to do. He didn't want to do it. He wasn't good with girls. He was socially awkward. No friends. And so he's feeling down and done with life. So let me just go out with a bang and go after them. You dig what I'm saying? That's what that's about, man. Low self-esteem, that's all it is. And it's the people who don't who think very low of themselves. You got to think low of yourself to go out, just like a, a guy who would be a simp that go out and 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 harm a woman because the woman rejected him, right? This is a guy. Why would you throw your life away? Okay, she 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 stepped out on you. She's nothing. She's all these names you're calling her. So why are you sitting in jail? Mm-hmm. Why did you put a gun to your head and kill yourself for somebody who was all of these derogatory words that you just called her? Why? That is because you can't hack it. You feel low. You have low self-esteem. You feel worthless. And the only way that you know how to make yourself feel some type of relief, just for a moment, is to harm somebody
4: else. I get it.
3: That's where we are. And so I I can just, man, I... I can just imagine some of the things like I can't in fact I can't even imagine because some of the things that I keep hearing about what happened back in the slave days and I'm going like, wow, man, that is just crazy. I just
4: <sighs> I have a calendar in the back of my truck right now, and it's a year calendar, but on every day of the year it's gonna say something that happened to black people. I wanna go grab that and I wanna see what happened. You know, in the month of June, just read off some stuff that happened.
5: That was Juneteenth.
4: I'm, I'm going to go and pull it up and we're going to see what happened on Juneteenth. Like, it'll be like on, 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 uh, uh July 7th, 1865. 15 people were hung and like, it'll, it'll tell you what happened on that day on this calendar, man. I think we should keep that in here. And, and, um, Uh, Bring that up on every one of our podcasts so people can know what happened on this day. Interesting. In fact, I'm going to go grab it while you and Mr. Jackson talk a little bit.
2: Ghetto Boys
4: Reloaded Podcast. We'll be right back after the break.
3: Let me ask you something. I see, oh, you, I God. see, I see you sitting here eating this this salad, and uh, you know that's one of my favorite pastimes: is to sit around and eat salads. Uh, but how how um, cognizant of you of your health these days, as in terms of you know keeping yourself fit and, and eating the right kind of foods? Is this something you do all the time? Like you eat salads all the time?
5: Um, I try to eat. Um, for my health, um, I, uh, focus on superfoods, uh, whether it be broccoli or spinach, or whether it be kale or a sweet potato, um, those types of things, uh, avocado, um, deep, the dark greens, if you will. Uh, the different fruits and nuts that are healthy for you. Uh, the berries that are, that are the uh, uh, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries. Um, those that, uh, help you with antioxidants. Um, those that give you energy. Um, those that have cures for pain, if you will. And, uh, there's so many of the fruits that, uh, we can take and Include as part of our diet that help us with our health um, be it diabetes, be it rheumatoidism uh be it the the different pains and joint pain that you, pains that you get as you continue to grow old um, arthritis etc there are foods that you can eat um, uh, to help you uh, get better and stay healthy i I'm reading a book about health and about food and and intake and uh i'm a belief i'm of the belief that god has put an awful lot of cures on earth between nuts and fruits and the vegetables and things like that that you can eat um to keep yourself healthy
3: mm-hmm. hey, you you made a career you know making your body work for you, you know, using your body with, with athletics and 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 i'm just wondering like um I've always been an athletic guy myself. I never played pro sports or anything like that. Well, I had a few pro fights, but being healthy and using my body and my having, you know, uh, speed and agility uh, has always been, and being and strength has always been important to me. But you know, get the older you get, of course, you start losing some of those things. So.
4: You got uh, speed and agility. Yeah, huh? speed
3: and agility. I don't believe that. Get, <laughs> get, get, get it. Get in. Get in range of the left hook. Come come, come, come. come a little closer. <laughs> so, but my, 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 my question, my question to you is like, is like, when do you do you like? Uh, You're 20 years older than me, so when you look back again at that 56, when you were 56 and where you are right now, how much has changed about your body?
5: Um, I've lost a lot of muscle density uh, in my body. Um, You know, I do have some arthritis in my body, you know, which is a change. Um, I developed arthritis about Eight, nine years ago, um, and I'm 76, uh, which is late uh, to develop those kind of things. Um, miraculously, I still see 2020 without glasses. Hmm. I use glasses um, to pr- help my vision at night, um, but I can read without, I can read the calendar without glasses, mm-hmm. um, you know, with that small print there. Um, uh, the, the muscle density goes away. Your strength goes away. Uh, your balance and equilibrium goes away. You know, so you're meaning your stability. mm mm-hmm. um, You have to be intentional when you're walking. Um, well, I, you know, I won't say intentional, but you need to pay more attention. Um, I want to say there's uh, the greatest percentage of death with – uh Elderly people over seventy is a fall mm-hmm. and some you hit your head somewhere um so being careful of where you place your feet from time to time, watch what you do when going up and down stairs, running up and down stairs when you get to be older, you don't have the spring that your feet have recognized between the stairs. you can be a bit short, you'll stumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, With things like that, which is part of growing old, so just pay attention. Mm -hmm. Right. Pay attention. Learn how to eat. Do some kind of exercise. Um, I like to walk two to three miles, um, three, four days a week. I like to go to the gym as many as four to five days a week. Uh, Even if you go in the gym for 30, 40 minutes, you can get a workout in in 40 minutes. Easy.
3: Do you like it, or do you just do it because you know you need to do it? Um,
5: I like the results. I'd rather not go. Okay, but I like the results of what happens with me. Um, I I still walk straight up. I don't slump or hunch, uh, and that's from weights and things like that. Um, I lift weights in the in the shower every morning, five pound weight, to for my shoulders my shoulders are arthritic. Mm-hmm. Arthritic. Mm-hmm. But if, if you keep them just a little five pound weight, it'll keep your skin tight, keep your muscles toned. And as you uh, develop the muscles around the arthritic joint, it will help you with the bone on bone action that you have when they're arthritic.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: It, it lessens the pain. Yeah. Uh, in your body with arthritis, if you're strengthening the, the the muscles around the joints where the arthritis is, which means in your hands, your shoulders, your knees and hips yeah five pounds. Five pound weight. Five shower. pound weight. Get on it, Brad. Yeah,
4: yeah,
3: you I'm, can. I'm you thinking, willing. Get on get it. You can get
5: a three pound weight, a five pound weight. There's a. You can in the shower. Gravitate in the shower. Huh? Gravitate. To the eight, shower. gravitate to I'm not eight, lifting ten. weights in,
3: you, don't, you don't think that's dangerous lifting weights in the shower?
4: Not really. I, I want to get it. too hot. I black out and hit myself <laughs> in the head with a weight and be knocked out even longer with my luck, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, Just I, bad I, luck, bro. I, I asked you earlier, you know what? team you you prefer playing for you know which team you had the most fun. i enjoyed the a's yeah, you enjoyed A's, right I enjoy but, the but a's. what what city you lived in a lot of places what city have you enjoyed the most living in
5: well i would say that i really did enjoy new york um Love the intensity, love the action, love the quickness and the speed of the city, the pulse of the city, um, their appreciation for their, their, their idols and heroes uh, of which I became one, you know, by playing there, like Joe Namath, or Willis Ryu, Launch Taylor, Mickey Mantle, Joe D, Jeter, you know, all those guys that have, that have been very successful there and been honored, Mariano Rivera um oakland is always and will always be a a very special place for me i still own a home there um you know i always appreciated the fact that they had a a a significant minority population there and i enjoyed being successful there for because my people had a great appreciation for my success they shared i feel like they shared it with me or i shared it with them and still to this day when i go back they had a 50-year reunion with the world series team of 72 and we'll do that the next two years we have a 50-year reunion in 73 in a 50-year reunion in 74, because we won three years in a row. (coughs) So Gene Gene Tennis, who was the most valuable player of the World Series in 72, he had four home runs. He threw out the first pitch, and he walked up in front of the mound, and I was standing next to Raleigh Fingers, and he said, now what this is telling me is they're having the MVP throw out the first pitch, so a year from now, you're going to throw it out. And he said, two years from now, it's going to be my turn. He says, I hope the hell I can do it when I'm 77. <laughs> so,
3: so <coughs> at 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, do you see yourself still, you know, working with the Astros or working in some capacity with Major League Baseball?
5: Uh, I'll be working with Major League Baseball and I'll be working with, uh, the Astros, if Jim Crane is here. Yeah. Um, because he's a special friend and a special guy. And um, I think he gets success. And I think he, we have a friendship that uh, is long lasting and special. Yeah. We
4: can all take a page out of his playbook.
5: You know, mm-hmm.
4: great to, to be a great human being. Like- yes. Yes, we should all take a page out of his playbook. He shares. He's, he's he shares the doing, wealth. Man. I've seen. He's,
5: it. he's fair,
4: very, very generous. It, yeah, yeah. Let and let's see it, what it, happened. Let's see what happened today, or some in this month. I just pick a day. <clears throat> and, and,
5: and June you, the fifteenth. <clears throat> Is it the fifteenth or fourteenth? Whatever. What's the day? today's the fourteenth? 14th. 14th. Today's the fourteenth, nineteen seventy three. Two young black girls, 14-year-old Minnie and 12-year-old Mary, Mary Alice Ralph are steril- sterilized at a health clinic in Montgomery, Alabama, without their knowledge of consent.
3: Here's why black people to this day fear going to the doctor, because we've been used as guinea pigs throughout the years.
4: Sterile. What happened yeah. on June 10th?
5: June 18th? No, 19th. Months after the Emancipation Proclamation is signed, enslaved black people in Texas finally learn about it when Union troops arrive and tell them the Confederacy lost the Civil War. What do you think about these
3: uh, politicians actively passing laws to prevent uh, critical race theory from being taught in schools.
5: Define it for me.
3: So so critical race theory is 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 putting the information out there about slavery. They're they saying you they don't want you to teach like the true history of america like the stuff that really happened during slavery and and even post slavery jim crow and all, they don't want that taught in schools because they say it it makes white children feel bad
6: and
4: it's way it's also yeah. a law it's a, it's a law in Florida right now that's saying that you can't make um uh, a group of people a certain group of people feel bad for for you know the pain that they inflicted Or another group
5: of people, for sure. Um, I 100% disagree with it because I want young African Americans to know what all African Americans went through and why your folks. When I say folks, I mean the generations before you. The younger generation needs to know what you went through what you think about in quiet moments why you may snap at someone or why someone may say young fella you'll learn one day you'll have an understanding it's part of the history of the country it needs to be learned and i would like whether they teach it or not in school i think it should be taught in school because it's what the history of the country is, we as parents should at the dinner table in the life of that young person be told what happened, what his parents and his grandparents and his great greats went through. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. This gentleman is 13. How old are you, son? 14. So his mom, let's give her 20 years, let's give her 34, her parents are in their 50s or 60s, their parents are in their 90s, okay? So 90 years ago, it's 1930, bitter, bitter racism, Uh, then that's great, that's great parent, great grandparents. Your great greats are in the 1890s. That's about as harsh and as bitter as it could be for a black person. With castrations, when you did something wrong. With the... Um, well, when they accuse you of doing it, something wrong. W- with <laughs> with the passing of your children and... and grandchildren at the age of 12 to 15 18 years old to go to the house and be slept with and raped by the owner of the house or the owner of the slaves um getting caught when you tried to break away and bring brought back to the plantation and have everyone come outside and watch as they took four horses and tied it to your two arms and your two legs and ripped you apart in front of everyone. That needs to be remembered and recognized as to what happened, as to why you are who you are today because of the things that were inflicted and the experiences that your folks and your <clears> family and your bloodline went through. Um, why th- that your, your grandparents or why some of the athletes in my era had the determination and the drive to be successful, um, that they were fighting for dignity or for a sandwich to eat, or heat in the house—that your your stri- <laughs> striving for success was life or death. Pain. Yeah.
3: Any regrets? <sighs>
5: I probably wish I would have had four or five children because I had the capability of raising them in a good environment and getting them good educations and being positive impact to the community. Hmm. Um, And I would have enjoyed, selfishly, I would have enjoyed it. Yeah.
3: Man, this has been a spirited discussion. Uh, we really do appreciate you imparting uh, your wisdom. I tell you, like uh, as much as I've admired you on the field, off the field, even more.
5: Yeah. You know, I think there's a. I I sense a commitment in Brad. Scar. You can call me Brad, man. I don't even like Scar no uh, more. I,
4: really um, wrote. Well, he wore that out so bad on stage until I, I don't ever want to be scarred. Call him DJ Action. Uh, <laughs>
5: Jackson.
3: No DJ Action. DJ Action. Yeah, um, he, he used to be a he, DJ. He, yeah,
5: I'm done. Um, I, I really do think that what you're doing or you're trying to do is enormously important to pass on from, be it. Dr. J or Reggie or Michael Jordan or Jeter or Franco Harris and the guys that broke the barriers and lived the difficulty, they have stories to tell. And, you know, Bill Russell, who's about 90 now, he's, he's going to take it with him and he hasn't been heard the youth of today and young people need to hear what we experienced and what we lived with and what drove us and why you need to keep the bloodline going and keep the success and the drive um, and and what gives you the impetus to, to be successful and what you need to prove still you are still less than you're still not equal your community is still being impacted pushed aside and beat down and you need to hear that and recognize that you got a chance to make it and when you make it get back to your community share tell the stories Uh, Tell the things that gave you the drive and made you keep going. Talk about the things that are important. Talk about continuity and support for family. Talk about support for your community. And going to a grocery store and running into another colored person, black person, negro, minority, nod to them. Acknowledge that you're part of their fraternity. Don't ignore. Do, do, don't turn the other way. Look at the person and let them see you and nod. In a how are you kind of nod. I, I see you. I'm here with you. Good to see you. With a nod. That We, we need to promote that. Teach that needs to permeate our community. We need to be together. And not only blacks, but whites too, and Latinx, and and Amerasian, and the indigenous, the American Indian. Um, American Indian has been abused just as much as we have. Um, You take a look at the Jews. I've always had an affinity for Jews They've been beat down and murdered for no reason at all, none, same as us. Six million Jews were murdered, and it's, it's either 18 million or, or 30 million African-Americans. Um, and how many of the indigenous, how many of the Indians? The Indians were here first. This ain't your land. This ain't your land you know um of all the, the indians that lived in the southeastern part of the country in florida and all the names of the towns that are indian names they went and gathered all those people and made them walk through the the tears of the trail of tears hey. and walk to across the mississippi no food Nothing. The Trail of Tears. I, I, I'm, I'm not quite, it, it's not quite exactly that, but Google it. It's a horrible story of what they did to the Indian in this country. And how they've given them um, money, reparations, and then the worst land in the country to live on. Trail of te- Trail of Tears. Tears of.
4: Where are we going to have
5: it? Did you find it? Trail um, of Tears. Kyle, did you find it?
4: it approximately 60,000 American Indians.
5: There you go. Did, did you find it? I
4: did. What's it say? It says a lot.
5: What's, what's the title? <clears throat> Trail of Tears. There you go.
4: Trail of Tears. A series of forced displacements. Approximately 60,000 American Indians. Wow. Made them walk. Sure did. Yeah.
5: They sure did. Mm. Man, I don't even attraction. know about that.
4: People... It's always a mind blowing conversation with you, man. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and let you finish your salad now. But fantastic, man. Absolutely
5: fantastic. I I roomed with a guy by the name of Brady Walker in college. I got a note from a guy the other day on one of the social mediums. He said, so-and-so went to college with you and he's really sick. He passed away and he's going to be honored. And he was your roommate in college. I was sitting with a few guys and I said, Let me tell you about this story. When I went to college there were no colored that room with whites. Say that again. When I went to college there were no colored there were no colored rooming with whites. I couldn't room with a white guy. <laughs> you could how you gonna room with me? It was sixty four. They allowed Negroes to vote in nineteen sixty five. I remember that. Dang. You, you, you couldn't, I didn't say nothing. I just kind of chuckled to myself where somebody was wanting me to come or say something or pick up in video. You, Reggie, your college roommate died. Well, he told that story. Well, he didn't tell it to a colored person because somebody would have said, when was that? 1964. Really? You ain't wrong with Reggie, bro. No, we no white boy. Won't be roaming with him. It wasn't allowed. I was the first guy to have a white roommate in baseball. The guy's name was Joe Rudy. Nineteen sixty-eight. That was big news. Really, that was big news. So, I didn't know what to say to the guy. Man, you. Do you respond? No. You, sh- you should. I say, come up like Muhammad Ali. Muhammad said, we were talking and he said, uh, he saw a picture of the Last Supper. He said, Mama, I don't see no colored, no colored angels sitting up there. I know there was colored angels, wasn't he? Where's all the color that this is the last supper. Are they in the are they in the kitchen fixing the biscuits and the honey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to tell that story every once in a while to bring some levity to the to the horror. Boy. Some levity yeah. to the horror. Yeah, it, it, Brady Walker was my roommate in college. That's the one that's sick and died. He was six 220.
4: No, mm-mm.
5: so somebody lying. This, okay. Brady was colored. Brady was a brother, okay. From Mississippi. Okay, you know, and he he had a stammer, stutter, super guy. His family would send him cornbread and biscuits, you know, out cookies to our dorm, and and when we slept in the room. The room wasn't no bigger than this. Right here. But it was plenty good for, you know, him and me. You know, it, each 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 guy had four or five pairs of pants, one pair of dress shoes, one pair of sneakers, four or five pairs of socks, five, or six pairs of underwear, a couple t shirts, and then you had you wore your football T shirt around and then it was always your clothes, you know. You went to school, and you came home, took your clothes off, and hung them up. Yeah. And uh, we used to get in conversations. The white guys lived in the same dorm, and they would laugh at Brady because he stammered. Super sweet guy. and uh, Stammered? Yeah. And I used to—so he was stammering one day, and they were laughing. And I said, you know something, Joe? Joe and Jeff— one of these days, Brady is going to get pissed off because you're laughing at him. He's going to jump on you, and he's going to beat your ass for all those kids in Mississippi when he was 5, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, I'm calling him a nigger. He's going to jump on you and beat your ass, and I ain't going to do nothing about it. I'm going to, then after he beats your ass, I'm going to drive you to the hospital.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> he just looked at me like that and they got quiet. We went back in the room and Brady, like I said, he would lay down on his feet, be over the end of the bed. Reggie, I'm going I can't wait to call my mama and tell him what you said. You talk to them white boys like you ain't got no problem. You ain't scared of nothing. I love to see you talk to them. And you want to know something? You going to be right one of these days if I ever get mad. (laughs) There you go.
3: When you was was, uh, playing and, and, you know, when you got that name, Mr. October, did you ever feel any pressure to actually, like, I know it's the postseason and everything, and you got the name because of your 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 ability to perform under pressure. But and in the in, in the clutch. But did you ever feel any pressure, any additional pressure in the postseason because you had that title, Mr. October?
5: Not you. really. No. I guess if you look at Steph Curry or or Jordan or any of those guys, you know, Magic Johnson, Kobe, Kareem the greats, I really felt like when the postseason season got close, I got better. And so I kind of relied on it. I relied on living up to the stories, the Mm -hmm. Paul Bunyan stories or the stories of what I was going to do. I kind of said, well, getting close in October, I'm going to be doing my thing pretty quick. You better be careful. Right. I'm come out with a cape on. <laughs> but I, I kind of got to the point to where I believed it, and then it gave me a confidence. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, thank you again, man.
3: We really do appreciate
5: it. My you pleasure.
4: That, taking time out to talk to us. This episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by The
3: Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio.